0: Hello and welcome back to Off The Water, the podcast brought to you from the National Governing Body, RWay Scotland. Yes, you're correct, I am not Jack and my co-host definitely isn't Nicky. I'm Robert Nicol, and it's great to be back again behind the mic for a podcast where we hope to connect on a range of conversations that affect our activities and venues. My co-host Mark is with me this week as we look at the impact of our activities on the environment and how we can reduce our impact and make boating more sustainable.
1: Hello, yeah, Mark Turner here, and I'm happy to be back in the podcast with you, Robin. We were catching up with the Watson family and their windsurfing journey last time. That was a blast.
0: Uh, Yes, it was very entertaining, Mark. Uh, Very enlightening podcast. Well worth a listen if you haven't already listened. So please, you know, go and check it out. The Watson family journey is, uh, yeah, it's, it's fantastic to listen to.
1: Yeah, in this episode, we're going big. Uh, as the Watson family sure have in their windsurfing journey. Uh, But this time we're going to look out for the environment. The environment can often be too hard to compute or, or too big to tackle category with many cogs to make it truly sustainable. While as an organization, we continue to work towards practical actions to minimize our impact on the environment. We're very fortunate this week to have three guests to highlight some practical actions you, your family, your club or association could adopt.
0: So sit back and enjoy Mark's conversation with Angie, Barry and Kate, as they take us through how we can reduce our impact, I know I'm looking forward to this, enjoy.
1: So today I've got three really fantastic guests to come. And hopefully share some insights in it and make it a little bit more manageable to think where we can maybe make an impact on our local environment or on those around us we have Angie Fraser from Aberdeenshire Sailing Trust uh, we have Kate Fornham from the Green Blue and we have Barry Fisher from Keep Scotland Beautiful I wonder if we could just start and ask each of you to introduce yourself and perhaps give us a little bit about where you fit in the environment. Angie, I'm going to start with yourself.
2: Okay, so I'm Principal of Aberdeenshire Sailing Trust. I guess we started thinking about what we could do a few years back um, really to get on the on the road to net zero. To, it's a long and bumpy road ahead or a long and winding road, however you like to think about it. So we started thinking about what steps we could take um, and some of them are baby little steps some of them are bigger steps that have required more time more thought and um, so it's kind of putting little bits in place so that we're reducing our impact on the environment and in particular things like our carbon emissions so that's that's where we're at and that's what we're doing
3: Yeah. Hi, Mark. Uh, Thanks for inviting me along to this podcast. Um, Yeah, I'm the campaign manager for the Green Blue and um, the Green Blue is the Environmental Awareness Programme for the Royal Yachting Association and British Marine. And essentially, we're aiming to make recreational boating across the UK more sustainable. So we do a lot of outreach work um, with the boating community. So that could be educational in terms of raising awareness of what the environmental issues are and providing best practice solutions on what we can do as boat users, clubs, centres or businesses to minimise our environmental impact.
4: Thanks for inviting me on. Um, It's great to be with esteemed colleagues who, I hope I don't let myself down with my lack of knowledge, their introduction has already been pretty impressive, but I'm the chief executive of Keep Scotland Beautiful, which is the charity which is about supporting a clean, green and sustainable Scotland. We basically have three key objectives. We want to reduce litter and waste and ensure Scotland has a circular economy. Uh, We want to combat climate change and support Scotland to achieve its net zero ambitions. And we want to protect and enhance places where people live and where they increasingly work. So within that very short description, there's a huge range of programmes that we're involved in. Uh, but I think one thing that keeps Scotland Beautiful is really passionate about, really proud of actually, is, is the community engagement and where we work with communities, alongside communities, not at them. Um, and, I, and I think that's kind of, I'm sure that'll i come up today in the conversation is just crucial, how we engage people and sometimes we can feel quite big and difficult challenges. And I think it's really important to take a bit of time to get alongside people. But I'll lay out gratuitously my sailing credentials for the sake of your uh, RY Scotland listeners. Uh, I had the great privilege of also uh, running Ocean Youth Trust Scotland Sail Training Organisation um, in the first part of my career. Um, through that experience, both as a young person and a volunteer, and you know, I, I've seen some amazing things across the, the Scottish seaboard, the Scottish coasts, uh, and and indeed beyond. And I think actually, I'm sure. The real success of the Green Blue campaign is to do with a lot of people in sailing will be deeply connected with nature actually, because that's a huge part of what it's about. Um, so it's great to see the continued leadership uh, in sailing around this really important topic.
1: So I guess the first little uh, topic of discussion is is what some of those small things are. And we can go in our individual areas or we can think about little things that have been done. But uh, Angie, just starting with yourself, I was really impressed With some of the questions that you brought up at the training conference the other week and ways that you're looking about making a difference for uh, both the Aberdeenshire Sailing Trust, but also the local sailing clubs. Can you tell us a little bit about how you went about these changes and what they are?
2: Um, Well, we started to think about what were our biggest um, carbon emissions? What was our biggest things in the carbon footprint and what could we do about them? And one of those is transport. Um, and transport is one that is something you can do something about because we can swap away from uh, you know, a petrol or a um, diesel vehicle to an electric vehicle. So so we have three sites at Aberdeenshire Sailing Trust. They're not all right next to each other um, and we have to move boats to and from one of the sites every season to be able to sail there. So we thought this is actually quite a lot towing boats to, to the venue. Um, so we should really be looking to do this with an electric vehicle. Um, so we started the process of looking for some grant funding to help us with that. And between the grant funding um, and also a, a top-up loan from Home Energy Scotland, we managed to get last summer a uh, Nissan ENV 200. So we can now tow um, lightweight boats. We can't tow you know, like a yacht or something like that, but we can tow lightweight dinghies. Um, backwards and forwards between our venues. And it's also been really useful for moving engines to get them serviced, moving sails, moving instructors. Um, So so that's reduced a lot of our emissions, Um, but that's just the beginning because that looks at one part, but it doesn't look at everything. Um, So to go further with that, one of our our venues that we sail out of, it's Peterhead Sailing Club. So we work together with the sailing club to think, right, how could we reduce the emissions here? and the buildings run off electric. So it was a bit of a no-brainer to say, well, this building would be prime for um, solar panels, Um, but not just solar panels. We want to make all this renewable energy, but then we want to be able to to use it. Um, So we figured that solar panels and battery storage um, in the form of a Tesla wall would really help. It would mean that we would be out there sailing and we would come back in the battery would be fully charged, we'd have lots of hot water for showers and heating and cups of tea. We, we didn't plan on COVID stopping us getting into the clubhouse, but that was all the idea. And then of course, um, in the winter, if you're only there once a week, your battery will hopefully be fully charged by the time you arrive. So the big thinking with this was that we would have solar panels to generate our own energy. We would, we're in a sunny spot in Peterhead, it's great for it. and uh, We'd have a power wall to store our energy. Um, and in addition to that, we would have electric car charging um, so that we could have anyone who wanted to arrive with an electric vehicle go out for a sale, they could plug their car in, come back in and have some solar energy topping up their car so that when they wanted to go home, they could go home thinking, Ah, oh, this is great, I've been out and I haven't actually been burning carbon on my my, my jolly sailing today. So these are some of the things we've done. Um, there are other things that are harder to do so we have lots of groups that come sailing with us school groups and of course they're coming mostly by bus Um, and that is much harder because we haven't really got bus alternatives yet and the schools you know the bus companies don't do that so we're thinking well what can we do about that so in the short term we're thinking the best thing we could do about that would be doing some offsetting Um, and that's something that That there are lots of places that you can go to that would say we can plant trees on your behalf. Um, So we've teamed up with Trees for Life, which is an organisation in Scotland um, that plant trees. They rewild Scotland, is the best way to describe it. So it's not planting a plantation, it's rewilding so that they're putting back native species that have grown in that part of Scotland back so that we're having a whole new wildlife and that will be protected. It will not be harvested for timber. So it's things like that that we've done so far. We think we could we could do that for rescue boat emissions, because obviously we're not at this point yet that we have electric rescue boats. There are some available. they're beyond our budget. We're working on it um, but in the meantime, these will be the steps that we'll be taking so that we're trying to make a difference now. We can't just afford to wait you know what's happening in the sea, what's happening to coral reefs, what's happening to the species around the world it's really upsetting and it's upsetting that all these children that we're teaching to sail are going to be growing up in a world where things will be different. So I think this is our responsibility now that we do take action so that we're trying to leave things not in a terrible mess. So because we work so, so much with young people, it's important to us, it's important to our trustees. And I think it's important to the kids and the parents of the people who are coming sailing, that the, that they appreciate that we're taking these steps so it's it's not just one or two of us it's a team effort
1: that's really inspiring angie and uh obviously the road to net zero um yeah it was highlighted this morning i think uh, we may have heard the radio and bill gates was coming out with a, a few expressions about it being a slightly difficult journey perhaps more difficult than that of the uh, covid19 uh, virus we're currently doing which for many people is is it's scary. That's, you know, it's frankly quite scary uh, about where do you start? Uh, and and you've taken these steps and, and made some absolutely great changes to start implementing that and helping others in Aberdeenshire. I guess I'm kind of going to open up for some of our, our thoughts just around these kind of areas. So I don't know if uh, Kate got any thoughts. I know that we're working in the RYA in terms of uh, having launched a sustainability strategy last year, which uh, your colleague Phil Horton has been leading a lot on. And there's a lot in that. There is really it's it's huge at where we start between the uh, having electric power boats and um, right the way through to ensuring that our back office supplies we're we're maintaining and keeping a good eye and check of how we're running the actual business. Um, Kate, can you give us like any little insights into that area or any thoughts on that?
3: yeah so yeah the always sustainability strategy is something we're really really proud of um, and our scotland are currently putting theirs into place as well so um it's spreading out across the uk which is great but uh, as part of the strategy um the is looking at all sorts of different areas and yes the pathway to zero is one of those and phil who is the environment and sustainability manager at the rway is looking at that currently and we are having conversations with various clubs um around their energy use and what kind of facilities they can put in place. So it's great to hear um, what Angie's been doing and I've literally just come off a meeting with a group of clubs discussing sort of um, water source, heat pumps, um, solar panels, etc. Because we, we want to bring our way clubs together, the community to share best practice and learn from each other. So. If there are clubs out there who have um, made adaptations to their buildings, then of course, we'd love to hear about those because other clubs may be listening now and wanting to to put these facilities in place and want to know where to start um, and get some good advice. So if that is the case, then do get in touch with um, the Green Blue and we can get you as part of that group. Yeah, it's great to hear um, what the trust is doing um, there, Angie. You know, it's a great case study and example for other clubs across Scotland to follow suit. And I'm sure you'd be up for, for sharing that um, further afield. Um, but yeah, it does, it does get challenging um, in certain ways. Not, not everything can be done straight away, and there are small gains that can be done in the short term. Um, but when it comes to electric outboard engines, for example, um, you may have to look at your usage. And if you're only using a small power boat you know, rarely on the water for safety, you may not actually need to swap to an electric outboard yet, especially if that engine is still in good use, because you have to look at the full cycle of that piece of equipment. So to kind of throw that away and then buy something brand new would actually have a larger carbon footprint than actually if you stayed with it and you're using it very minimal. So you don't have to go out and buy, you know, a very expensive, flashy, rib electric but as and when this technology comes in and you need to start replacing things, that's when it's ideal to look at that. And if you're building up some funding in the background for when that happens, uh, then perfect. And you know, going back to the clubs, coming off that conversation that we've just had, um, it is challenging to understand all the different options available to put in there, but this is what we're working on with the RWA is to build all that knowledge together and be able to better advise you as our members um, so watch watch this space in that sense.
1: Barry, if there's anything you'd like to add, because you obviously have a very unique uh, perspective of the communities etc. in Scotland and some of the more specific uh, opportunities or trusts that are available to clubs and centres, I don't know if you've got anything you could yeah, add. Yeah, I mean, please. listen, I, you know, first and foremost, it's really inspiring, generally, isn't it?
4: To Andy, wasn't it in terms of the. the things that are thought about and that the depth of thinking they've gone into the various bits of the activity that are involved in and how they can minimise carbon. And, and I think that's, yeah, it's really exciting that you've got someone within a community in the northeast that can share that knowledge that Kate was referring to. I mean, I guess there was something that went through my head there, which was we tend to use, and I, I hope this doesn't sound like criticism, but I think it, it's, we, we tend to use, it's right, typically when we need to highlight the importance of the situation, climate emergency and, and the, the big challenges. and I mean, We use quite tough phrasing to, to get people involved. But I think we also just need to remember, we also need to help people through the process as well and get them on the first ladder. So, you know, I think the language we would also use is there's also a climate opportunity. And it's not to forget that kind of the use of language really helps bind people into the kind of the mission. And I think the climate opportunity is, you know, clearly I think, and I think Angie was hinting at it, and I'm sure we're all aware of it. You know, I think young people are ahead of us here, much as I'd like to think I'm still a young person. I'm delighted this has been out in the podcast, not alive. Young people are all over this, and I, th- I think we, 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 there may be a number of clubs that will be able to find the energy and the support and some of the solutions actually from within the, the cadet, cadet ranks. I think also, um, I think Green Blue is just an incredible, you know, looking ahead of this podcast, having a right good look at the website, Kate, and it's great. You know, it's an amazing a collection, a single point. But I think we shouldn't underestimate, you know, the power of local champions, local voices um, who might not necessarily be at all involved in sailing. Keep Scotland Beautiful uh, funds uh, on behalf, of, you know, provide on behalf of the Scottish government grants the Climate challenge fund. And there are incredible groups right across Scotland who... You are really involved in adaption, really helping people to understand some of the choices out there. And I think also trying to explain, I mean, I, I found that really helpful when Kate talked about the you know, life cycle of an outboard engine and do we have to change now or do we change later? You know, some of just those real practical, are we making the right decision uh, pieces of information, I really think help grow people's confidence. Um, and I think that confidence is a really interesting word actually in terms of, you know, should we do it? Should we put it off? Um, but actually, clearly angie's found solutions kate's gathering those solutions for good practice but I just don't think we should underestimate local leadership in this this subject at all in terms of you know whether it's marina who's pointing at something or um or whether you know, they brought in new equipment which makes the whole thing easier i feel if you, if you think about a sailing club it's as as just a community based organization I think it changes the dynamic I was talking recently to rotary who um and i was I was trying to encourage them to do litter picks and they were suggesting that maybe some of their members not find pick too easy anymore um, but I was reminding them that actually their role as community leaders to to either support that activity to or influence it or or to try and make connections is also really really important and I'm sure sailing clubs with their, their, their big memberships and, and the different types of people are involved and I'm sure someone within these memberships there are people who've got professional backgrounds that can help too and it's, you know, we all talk about sailing sometimes, but that second question of what do you do when you're not sailing?
1: No, I think that's very, very valid indeed with the, the local leaders and the communities. And this the climate opportunity, absolutely. There is a is a world of opportunity in terms of uh, seeing it in a different light. Uh, and I think that's a very valid point. and And something, you know, I'm... Um, I'm quite proud of uh, the Green Blue in terms of it being around since uh, 2005 and, and looking uh, in detail at where they can target these little me- measures, as it were, and they can target ways in which we as a boating community can uh, improve how we go about our activities. Uh, and there, you know, sometimes that can be very specific in where those uh, areas are. I think when we're thinking about sustainability in this bigger picture and um, Angie brought out brilliantly there you know the carbon footprint we leave and um, we talk about litter picks that's trying to reduce the pollution that we're putting into the environment and being aware of that we have other areas very much around and um, the circular economy the reusing recycling aspects um, we also have just that whole protection of, of our local communities island communities and also protection of that natural environment ultimately as well uh, when you mention adaption and, and that climate change we've got a lot of clubs that are sitting right at sea level etc which can actually have a very real impact as we get storm surges and rising sea levels and and planning needs to be a lot more long long term and these are all areas which uh, they are looking at as part of this uh, sustainability strategy but going back specifically, I'm going to go into the next little bit about what kind of resources, what resources you found really useful. And uh, Kate, with looking after the Green Blue, obviously, I'll put this one straight to you and maybe highlight some of those resources and that are available in the Green Blue. Uh, but also where um, Angie and Barry might find some of the other useful areas that would be worth looking at, both as individuals and or clubs.
3: Yeah so in terms of resources um, we've got a huge variety of them and like you said uh, the Green has been around since 2005 and we've continuously built upon those resources and updated them so we have them on the website that you can freely download and it varies so we have ones very focused towards you as an individual boater so we've got our green boating guides that contain top tips on specific areas of your boating so it might be all in fuel use it might be how do you prevent the spread of invasive species by removing them from your vessel. It might be looking at how to minimise your emissions on board, how to recycle and reduce your waste. So we've got all the topics and then we've got very quick bullet pointed top tips that you as an individual boater can adopt to make a difference. So it's just a case of going on there, having a look and choosing a few things that you want to and, and that's want to do and that's valid to you. Um, and taking that forward because we strongly believe small changes that each one of us takes collectively has a large impact so don't think that you're on your own doing it just do that one thing and if everyone does that then it's going to make a big difference way more than anything that even the RWA in terms of hq can do it's about all of our so we have you know thousands of clubs out there thousands of individual voters members of the RWA. you know if we can each do something. It's going to have such a massive impact in the long run. So we do have resources around that. Then we have resources for clubs and centres to improve their facilities um, and their operations. So how can you improve your recycling on site? Um, how can you support the members of your club or if it's your customers in terms of minimizing their waste or plastic pollution? Is it going single-use plastic-free um, and doing um, a survey of your site to identify that. So when you go on the Blue website, you can actually do a checklist of your club and center. So we've done the checklist. All you have to do is go through that and identify what you're doing already, that's great, and then areas that your club or center can improve on. And that will give you some great ideas to take that forward. And as Angie was saying, um, she's kind of led on this, but then she's got a group of people involved. And we're really recommending um clubs to embrace those that are in the membership that have people that are passionate about the environment and want to make their club more sustainable and kind of lead on it, but then also creating a kind of sustainability team um, and looking at that checklist and saying, okay, as a team, what can we do to improve our club and help our members to become more sustainable? Um, And and that doesn't mean it has to be just the older generation. Get the youngsters involved. It's a great opportunity for them to be part of the kind of management of your club, um, rather than just sitting at a sort of higher level committee. Um, And and as Barry was saying as well, you know, the the energy and and really experience and knowledge that these youngsters have is astonishing. And, And the more I speak to young sailors every day... You know, they're telling me about what they want to do at their club and what they want to do as individuals. So the interest is there. It's just harnessing that and setting it up. Some other resources that we've launched recently is our UK Environmental Marine Facility Map. So if you're out boating around the Scottish coastline, you can identify where your nearest environmental facilities are. And that's specifically at marinas. So it might be that you're finding one that provides recycling facilities, or somewhere for you to dispose of your hazardous waste, or somewhere where you can wash your vessel down, knowing that the anti-foul residue coming off that is captured and treated and taken away rather than it going back into the waterways. So there's just a, a few tasters. There's lots more to discover on there, um, like our green-blue um business directory that has more environmentally sustainable products and services. So that's very much focused towards you as a boat user or as a club. to so go on there, see what you can swap in. Be more sustainable in yourselves.
4: Honestly, I think I think what Green Blue has achieved is incredible because I think one of the most powerful, and unique things it's got is that link to industry, um, and actually built, b- baked in from the start is that sense that you know, this is we need to bring industry or private sector with us. And I think that so going back to that that climate opportunity piece, I think is really important because actually, what I'm sure industry is getting out of it is closer to their market, cl- closer to customers who are going to become increasingly discerning about these these products that we've just referred to, we've referred to anti-fouling, and people will be interested in the construction methods and people will be increasingly interested in whether marinas have got the opportunity to do things. I think, I think it will be a really interesting dynamic going forward. I, I can't compete with those resources and, and, and I won't because it's so blooming well thought through, it's great. I think what we would add, is keep from Keep Scotland Beautiful's perspective, um, we've got another inquiries from, from groups right across the country particularly to do with handling of litter. And we've got some really practical ways in which people to do that safely. And safely has never been more important now with COVID, obviously. So uh, maybe there's an opportunity for us, Mark, to share some resources across the way channels and make sure we're joining that up. And on the spirit of joining things up, I, th- I think it's incumbent on all of us as organisations to, to sort of share campaigning. So we've got a big piece around marine litter. We've got a campaign, it's Upstream Battle for the Clyde. And we'd love to replicate that right across major Scottish tributaries. Um, and actually, what's really exciting about that is that people are really, sure everyone knows the Clyde and they've got a got a relation to it, particularly on the west coast. But actually, folk, folk can be really fiercely um, proud of the tributary that runs into it. And actually, I think what we've unlocked there is people's interest in doing something about fundamentally marine litter, because we know that all the you know 80% of litter that on the land ends up in the sea and all the damage it caused. But if we can, you know, people energized, uh, uh, you know, with their own, say the leaving, uh, how that how that makes the difference, you know, to what actually ends up in the client. You know, I I, I think we all need to, to you know, think creatively about you know, uh, you know what what we can do, you know, as a, as a place. You know, if you think about a place and where a sailing club is, I always kind of imagine that normally, for obvious reasons, they're in really really lovely places sometimes. <laughs> um, but that 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 grouping of people who care again about making sure that the club is a good place to be, it's a nice environment to be, again, I think sends a statement to the rest of the community, um, and I, I, mean, I don't think we should underestimate that.
1: No, I think that's a, a very valid point indeed, you know, these tributaries uh, in upstream battle identified, you know, big areas of population further up that really had this local pride around the river or their their stream. I think Castle Semple Lock got involved quite a lot in that. And we hadn't really considered it as part of uh, the River Clyde, but obviously it it feeds into the cart waters. And all of a sudden, the local community felt a great sense of ownership around it. But, Andrew, just on on the resources that you've found up with uh, Aberdeenshire Sailing Trust getting as far as you did, putting resources in place for the the Tesla wall unit and all these areas. Is there any kind of tips you might have of resources and places you've found things that were really useful?
5: I I think that there is more funding out there for this kind of thing than people realise. The key thing is that you have to be innovative. And if, if you wait, you know, 10 years down the line, solar panels are not innovative. Everyone probably will have them by then. But you can get funding for things if they're innovative and they'll make a difference, and you can show how much of a difference they make. Um, so we were successful with funding for our electric vehicle from um, a Vattenfall Unlock Our Future fund, which is based here in Aberdeenshire. Um, and then the Peterhead Sailing Club were successful with the same fund again for the electric car charger, the battery, and the panels for their building. There's kind of two sorts of funds out there at the moment. There's COVID funding, which is all about activity and recovery and and missed opportunities and digital inclusion, that kind of thing. But there are still funds out there that are about um, the road to net zero, if you like, or making environmental improvements. Um, And those are ones that clubs could certainly target, and they're for different amounts. Um, And lots of them could be local. A good place to look might be if there's any local wind farm funding because that can quite often be tied to your area and it can be tied to something specific that might do something like that. So um, there's definitely something that clubs need to be tied into the local community and find out who might fund things or speak to people like Foundations Scotland. Um, They have funds all over Scotland and some of these are little wind farm funds that would help them make some improvements if they wanted. There's other things that clubs can do that might not even be significant, you know, need funding for um, things like if they even just have an outdoor socket that somebody who comes with an electric car, if you you think of clubs that are out in the wilds of Scotland and they're not near somewhere close, there's quite a lot like Loch Tummel, Loch Earn, Loch Fennecher, they're not that handy. And if you go with an electric car and you think, gosh, I've got to get back to that charger and someone might be on that charger or that charger might be broken, can I do it with my low range electric vehicle i've been there <laughs> i know the situation and you think gosh if i could just plug in at my club while i'm there for half a day i've got enough to get that little bit and i'm not worried so even just making something like that accessible means that it's something that you can do rather than you panicking about whether you can do it so i, th- I think there's lots of lots of little things that clubs could do that that will help encourage their members and and i love all these ideas of these um beach cleans and the cleaning up the plastic. Uh, can you imagine a lovely day out where you sail to a beach somewhere and you do your plastic clean up and then you sail back and you recycle it all? Amazing. You've had a great day of that that kind of citizen action, um, but you've also had a great day where you've engaged all generations and you've done some sailing and and done something that, that's kind of making everyone feel a bit better about what they're doing. So there's, there's loads of little steps that you can take that will engage more of the membership for, for certain.
1: It's quite inspiring stuff there indeed, Angie. And uh, yeah, having a purpose of a day out when you go on the boat and actually feeling uh, proud at having achieved something at the end of it is a great motivation. And And I think all the themes there is, you know, the resources are very much available at a local level, but the resources are also there in your community and the people. Um, and the people that are actually going to help out at your club and and make things happen. So it kind of brings us on to this, the people and and the volunteers. And I guess I'll probably start this off with Barry because the extensive experience you've had with working with with volunteers, both in the Ocean Youth Trust, then through, um, yeah, Duke of Edinburgh, of course, um, and, and Keep Scotland Beautiful having so many groups there. And, and I think one of the big areas you work with the volunteers around is is around this citizen science principle. This kind of more people bringing more information gives you more robust information to take forward. But I, I wonder if you could just tell us a little bit more about that side of things, Barry. Uh, to me, there's there's something there
4: which is about the energy of a, of a community that wants to do something, and just how powerful that is. If you if you get that that's that position, and for an organisation supporting that. That, that that can be the most exciting place to be because you know that something is about to change uh, when when a whole community is involved. Those foothills of trying to engage people in a subject, and I think we've maybe teased out there, for, for some people, the, the, you know, the, the race to net zero is, is a bit of a start of a start of journey for some people at the moment, um, is is an important one. And we're, we're doing a bit of work around uh, what we would call climate conversations with communities. So sometimes there'll be some bodies, let's say local government for instance, you might find a discussion with the local community quite dis- difficult in the climate, because inevitably it might get round to a very micro, important issue, but a very micro issue about bin collection on a Thursday or a street light that wasn't quite right. But but I think we all need to take a step back in this topic and try and engage a community Um, in, in the you know the, the steps they need to take, the things they can actually do, I think as, as colleagues have pointed out. Um, but I think, I've always felt in my career when a community or an individual takes half a step forward, if you can flood them with support and advice and encouragement, then actually incredible things can and do happen. So one thing that we do talk a lot about at uh, Keep Scotland Beautiful, and I think I referred to earlier, you know, the, this, this big difficult challenge should be rewarded by reaffirming to people that they're taking the right steps. So we've got amazing programme called Beautiful Scotland, it's your neighbourhood with groups right across Scotland doing amazing things to take, you know, building on that civic pride and really taking active steps to to physically improve the environment. There's a lot of growing projects attached to that. Um, Some of you will have seen them Uh, in terms of uh, places like North Berwick, North Berwick and Bloom do an amazing job in terms of improving that place. Um, But I I think at the heart of it is empowerment and ownership and helping people to understand that it's okay to to make these changes and do something, but I think also publicly celebrating what they've done and again, you know, I'm sure RYA Scotland are thinking about that. Um, I was talking to another sporting uh, sector um, and I was talking about, you know, the, the accreditation for their clubs, so this isn't sailing, this is another sport and and I wonder whether there's an opportunity there, if, if um, sailing's already done it, where you credit clubs but you, as part of that accreditation you're also looking at you know, the sustainability credentials and what action they're taking there um, and you know in those annual award ceremonies that of course sailing clubs are brilliant at doing you know is, is there an award for the person who's taken you know a really positive step around the environment to do with the club um, you know is there different ways of looking at this new challenge that we're all facing but it's basically celebrating behaviour and I think that's a hugely powerful uh, part of the journey when people, when people in organisations and communities taking a change so whether it's um, you know local community council celebrate people's actions or whether it's a club that celebrate people's actions important steps to take to sort of reinforce
3: yeah so i i definitely believe um as barry is saying to celebrate achievements um and and what you're doing at your club you know um amongst the members or if you're an individual But um, I'm sorry, I just wanted to uh, go back on that accreditation element. Um, So we are looking at accreditations um, for individual boaters, clubs and centres, and marinas as well, actually. So this year is gonna be an exciting year of launching new accreditations, so I would look out for that. Um, We, Like I said, we already have the environmental checklist for clubs um, that clubs can start going through to get themselves ready for those accreditations. So I, I do recommend um, going through that um, and, and we want to give recognition to those who are making a difference um, and also incentivize those to do so as well um, and on an individual level um, the RWA has volunteer awards and we would love to see some um, people put forward for their efforts in terms of sustainability amongst their boating community so I don't see why that that can't be um, you know a way forward of nominating someone in your community. Um, Going back to, um, as you said, Mark, around the project we're currently involved in is called the Remedies Project, and it's around Save Our Seabed, essentially. And we're looking at key environmental um, habitats um, on the seabed, and in particular, seagrass is an example of one of those. But we're working with um, different partners, uh, Marine Conservation Society, Ocean Conservation Trust, Um, natural England and also specific communities where there are these um, seabed habitats that are particularly vulnerable um, and under threat and where we as a boating community can help to minimise those impacts and how we work and and do that is we will work with local clubs, um, centres and marinas for example and offer first of all awareness raising of what these habitats are And how important they are to us as humans as well as the overall ecosystem but more importantly what we can do as a boating community to help protect them because essentially unless we sustain you know the environment that we rely on for boating we will not sustain the marine sector um we're out in it every day we rely on it for our livelihoods well-being and our enjoyment and we all have a small part to play in protecting that and in making sure that we can continue enjoying that into the future. Um, other projects that we're looking at, we're always looking to gain partnerships with local um, local existing projects. So one in the South of England uh, we've partnered with is the Final Straw Foundation. And we are developing a single-use um, plastic-free accreditation for clubs, centres, and marine businesses. Currently, we're focusing that in the Solent area to trial run it, but we would like to expand that across the UK. Um, and what we would ideally love is to have um, an increased sort of volunteer network or partnerships across the UK where volunteers may already exist with organisations, or um, we are also looking at developing our own volunteer network. And we are starting this actually in the London South East region for the rwa where we are looking to appoint a green-blue sustainability coordinator on our regional committee. And they would help look after green-blue champions within localised areas. And those green-blue champions would essentially deliver the outreach work for the green-blue. And that might be delivering a club talk on um, environmental topics and best practice. Um, It may be in person or it may be over a webinar. It may be going and visiting a club and centre to do the plastic free accreditation. um, Seeing if, you know, those single-use plastics have been eliminated to then award them with that accreditation. It might be going to a marina open day um, and having a green-blue stand or a boat show. So there's little things of being out in the community and we we strongly feel that, you know, the boat community has so many passionate ambassadors out there already and that want to make a difference. And we're here to support that. If you are one of those people that wants to make a difference in your community, we want to hear from you and we would be happy to support you in any ideas that you have um, and bringing bringing you together as as a community wider field. And and let's see what we can do together to make that happen.
4: Listen, goodness knows we've had a a tough 12 months, but I think uh, one of the very few positives is it's situations like this where you know four of us are sitting on a call talking about something and perhaps in a way we might have had to arrange diaries it'd be a bit more complicated and what i've i've actually thought is it's it's easier for me to go and speak to groups i mean i mentioned rotary earlier i have done on the back of one presentation to rotary i've now spoken to loads and indeed spoken to their district structure and part of their international structure so I think there's a real opportunity there. When I think people are a wee bit hungry for what does the future look like It's a very, very broad concept. And I wonder if there is a way in which this particular topic for for sailing clubs might be one that allows people to come together and talk about it and you know invite people like Kate and myself into these conversations to hopefully you know provide a bit of advice. I wouldn't be ghost bold from my perspective to say inspire. I can look and be monotone at times, Mark. But but you know, I I think hopefully just that that external push uh, you know you know and uh, um, outside influence maybe just help organizations or take clubs to take that step forward and it's certainly an offer from our organization to be involved in that with our way Scotland if that's something you think would be helpful
1: no absolutely and, and you know one thing that definitely highlights is uh, is the local communities in that kind of organic ground up way of things has much more power Um, just to to Basically, what people see in that community is what they act upon. When you talk about the club, maybe going out and leading on beach cleans in the area, that other people on that beach see that club as as being somewhere leading in that area, or or get drawn towards it. I mean, I just maybe bring Angie in on this as well, and and find out in the northeast if there was any other sort of community organisations that you witnessed while you're on the beach, or running any training, or that influenced you as a principal of a sailing trust. Uh, to take some of the actions which you have taken?
5: That there is a really proactive group up here, the East, let me get this right, East Grampian Coastal Partnership that um, go around the whole of the North East doing beach cleans. And obviously it's been a bit curtailed because of COVID, but prior to COVID they were very active doing massive beach cleans, and they got council support in always because there was lots, of, lots and lots of big heavy stuff. There's loads of fishing gear in the northeast here washed up on the beaches and they were super proactive at cleaning it up. Um, But you might just be thinking that if we run an event or when we run an event we should say, because we don't know when that will be, if we run an event, could we do things like say, okay, this is an open event, people will be traveling. Can we do some offsetting for the event so that people can come and we don't think that the event is going to create as big a carbon footprint as it would otherwise? Or could we put our sandwiches in paper bags as opposed to in plastic? cling film it could just be little things that clubs are thinking of tiny steps but they're all steps that will help
4: and for for the you know the person who's you know traveled the furthest on free electricity or an electricity or something as well just just and you know encouragement along the way i think that could be quite exciting just as part of the message
1: this uh this celebrating um the the people and their actions and and actually just recognizing these little changes and and acknowledging them and and being positive around them i think is a a massive reassuring factor and and you touched on it earlier when we talk about the confidence am i doing the right thing should i be going there um when when we think travel has such a, a massive impact around it um how can what alternatives can we look for and there's lots of inspiring ideas there's no doubt about it i think also when angie mentioned early on talking about off carbon offsetting uh, and trees for life i think when it was suggested there was there was people came forward and started saying you oh, know it's the upland peatlands can we can we invest in that is there opportunities in in seagrass another big area which i've only become more aware of as a cruising instructor and thinking about where we anchor and then seeing how important the the seagrasses are of of the west coast lochs of scotland in capturing carbon and you know there's lots of little ways that we can think of different ideas that perhaps as individuals and in clubs, we can really take some big steps along this journey. Um, so thank you very much for all coming along today. I do note on my time, there's lots of different areas we've come along. Could I just, uh, if it go round and just leave us with one thought each just on the topic of the environment? Um,
5: yeah, I guess, I guess a baby step's better than no step. So just one little step along the way, every time will help. So we could start with that.
3: Yeah, um, yeah, absolutely. Um, small steps. Um, and like I said, the information is there. Go on the Greenbury website, pick one action you want to change when you get back up, out onto the water or when you get back in your club um, and make it happen. And as as we've been saying, celebrate it. Um, one, one of our clubs, um, actually, as part of the RWA Club of the Year, um, we have a sustainability award now. So if you are a club that is doing positive things, you can enter into the Club of the Year under a sustainability category. And the one that um, got put forward was um, Ennsworth Sailing Club. And what they did is they, they put in an environmental policy, um, an action plan. They got all the youngsters involved and they did a celebration day at their club. So they had cake. They invited the local community along that was um, making more sustainable products, or plastic free, and they all had a stand, you know, the local conservation groups, and they all gathered. And then we had a big beach clean. So we invited people into the club, local community, put on tea and coffee and had a real celebration. And the energy um, was just immense. And and it was so interesting because um, uh, Peggy, who's their sustainability lead really there, chatted to the Commodore asked them would you be up for you know making some changes at the club and you know you need that strong leadership to go yeah you know what we're going to do something no matter how small let's go for it and they were a little bit fearful that no one was going to turn up to this launch at the club but then the whole entire club was packed out and they had youngsters reading poems about the environment and it was it was just amazing to see and then they suddenly realized everyone wants this. It's not, don't worry if you feel like you're on your own and none of your members are interested, they are. So take that step and get everyone involved. Um, and I love that idea of taking the boats around to visit little coves and do beach cleans. Why not do a beach clean at your club every year and invite the local community in? Use your facilities, be be part of that. Um, so that, there's a few things that I think you should take forward.
4: Well, that's music to my ears. Kate at Keep Scotland Beautiful and be delighted to help um, groups out, you know, sailing clubs out in Scotland organise those and, you know, Mark, you'll know how to put them in touch with us. I think I'll just go back to, I think, what I said before. Let, let's let's see the, the challenge of the climate emergency as a climate opportunity for communities, for clubs, for people, you know, for us to think differently about how clubs can look, you know, the type of people they want to engage with. And that, to me, it's all about, you know, go back to first principles, isn't the power of sport, isn't just about the moment where someone crosses a line and we all go that's terrific you know it's the it 's the social fabric it's the the way in which people engage with each other and, and it's a vehicle for other fantastic things to happen um and and you know so so I would say the you know that the, I think the clues in the title it's a club you know and clubs bring people together and the the power you can get of purposeful activity together is extraordinary sometimes and if that now you know and I can see with RY's leadership on this. That clearly includes the environment. You know, good things are going to happen.
1: Well, a massive thank you for coming along today and sharing some inspirational ideas about what we can do to protect our environment and maintain the sport and activities that we absolutely love. Really, thank you so much, and it's been great to have this conversation.
4: Thank you.
3: Bye. 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 <whistles>
1: That was such an infectious conversation and even as the recording stopped, it was inspirational to hear the further ideas and connections being made, definitely making most of this climate opportunity.
0: Yeah, there was definitely some key themes that came out that resonated with the work we do with our clubs. Lots to do on all fronts, however, creating small steps that work for you and your organisation is key. Engaging with your community and local groups will help. Now. Don't be scared. Reach out. You'll find lots of key partners within your community who would be super keen to tackle some of the challenges that we face.
1: Yep, I'm pretty happy, Robin, and having brought this group together to share some of the updates and tips for our listeners amongst the Bolton community. Ultimately, we hope to take away the fear on the road to net zero and ensure the environment is there for generations to come.
0: Thanks again for listening, and please hit the subscribe button, give us a like, or leave a review. See you soon.
1: Stay safe.